episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 19, Bushmaster. The original air date for this episode was March 23rd, 1987. And if that date sounds familiar, it's because it's MacGyver's actual birthday. Happy birthday! Not Richard Dean Anderson's, the character oh. of MacGyver's birthday. Happy birthday. No, you can still say it. <laughs> I was just making sure to be clear. Um, and this is known to us because of next the next episode. I almost said next week's, but it didn't air for two more weeks. Mm-hmm. On April 6th, uh, we have an episode that centers around MacGyver's actual birthday. But um, in a letter within that episode, we see um, a date of March 23rd, which means that this entire season has basically been pushed back a couple weeks on their yeah. dates because all the air dates have been wrong so far. Um, starting from, I think, Phoenix Foundation on, it's been obvious that they're they're airing um, a week late, it seems. Um, the director for this episode was uh, Don Pete's Dragon Chaffee. Um, this is his last MacGyver credit. He had directed The Escape previously. Mm. Um, and this was written by Rob Jason Takes Manhattan Hedden. <laughs> or or rob the clock stoppers head if okay. you prefer yeah, oh yeah. um and this is hit also his last MacGyver credit so this is us saying goodbye to two people whose work we've enjoyed so far um so why don't we cover uh this episode in brief uh, in this episode uh a downed pilot needs to be rescued from the country of san perez where he's going to be held a tri- on a, put on trial right like falsely accused of being a spy and executed so macgyver's got to go in and get him out right and uh, someone sneaks along with yeah, him. yeah, um, yeah. So why don't we uh, get into it a little bit more in depth? We start out with um, Pete and MacGyver in the woods somewhere. Yeah, like we 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 already immediately have explosions, and uh, MacGyver's almost shot, but then Pete comes in and shoots the other assailant. Right. And uh, you know, and so then Pete and MacGyver kind of have a moment to talk, and Pete mentions that two other other friends have already gotten killed. Right. Very cavalier, mind you. Yeah. Like it's like eh, they already they they're down already. It's like, well, who's left? And uh, and so it's just Pete and MacGyver left on this mission. And uh, all we know about it right now is that they're they're trying, trying to, to collect a little silver box. Yeah, that's all we know so far. Um, and then we start to set up a MacGyverism in the form of um, MacGyver's favorite use of a semi-automatic weapon, mm-hmm. which is to dangle it from a tree with something wrapped around the trigger. Yeah. But this time there's a time delay fuse on it, so that way. He has time to get further away from it before it attracts anyone's attention. Right. But I don't think people usually run towards semi-automatic gunfire, so I don't feel like yeah. that's probably a bad idea for a distraction, but it's not my call. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, if you hear gunfire, you would maybe assume that it could be your people firing? Maybe. Go, I wonder what they're shooting at. <laughs> yeah, especially if they took that gun off the guy that Pete killed. Yeah. Which it seems like they did. Um, but with the last time we saw this was in the opening gambit for the pilot that right. he used this setup. And uh, uh, but before the gun goes off, another soldier spots it—a female soldier. Right. And uh, whether or not we're supposed to know is female, but clearly, I, I, I could yeah. clearly identify this person as it a female. It looks pretty obvious that it's a female. And um. uh, so, but so she spots it before it goes off. And kind of gets in like an inkling of what the plan might be. Right. And she just sneaks away past it. She doesn't disable the time mm-hmm. delay or anything. Right. Because um, she wants them to think that their trap went off without a hitch. Right. And Pete kind of falls for it. Because when the time delay runs out and the gun starts firing, Pete says, hey, the, di- the diversion worked. And then mm-hmm. MacGyver says, well, the timer worked. Yeah. We don't know if it actually functioned as a diversion for anyone. So MacGyver and Pete are on top of like this old wooden bridge. Right. And uh, very, it's very short though. Like I mean, there's it's it's crossing like the creek from uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights kind of bridge. I mean, yeah. There's there's nothing nothing to it. So they hop down to go underneath it to get at this little silver box. Mm-hmm. Or MacGyver does. Yeah. Pete stays above to like keep an eye out. Right. And while Pete is looking around, keeping an eye on things, a gun just kind of comes out of the bushes and shoots him, and he gets and he even has a moment to say, "I'm hit." Before before he goes down. Yeah. But then MacGyver comes out and... He brings the silver box with him up yeah. onto the bridge. And then he, it looks like he's like going to check for vitals on Pete mm-hmm. when the gun from the bushes comes out again and fires on him. Yeah. Killing MacGyver. Right. 
So now we and see that's basically the, the end, end of the series. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good run. I can't. It feels like I just thought this was going to take a lot longer. It just seems like the show ran for longer because yeah. it's like a touchstone mm-hmm. of pop culture in the '80s. But this is uh, this is the death of MacGyver. So um, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening. Tune in uh, next week when we cover a different series. <laughs> that's not what happened. No. No. This is uh, this is a war games experiment. Yeah. And uh, and both of them were taken out by the the bush gun, of uh, of her name is Kelly Henderson, Henderson. and she's being played by uh, Martin Sheen's daughter, um, Renee Renee Sheen, who <laughs> actually played a recurring character on West Wing. Right, but she was going by Renee Estevez. Right. Yeah. Or Estevez. Um, Estevez, <laughs> as the uh, previous episodes would have you believe the pronunciation goes, but yeah, um, Renee. Estevez played the assistant to um, the president's secretary throughout the show. So that was for Mrs. Landingham and then also for when Lily Tomlin came in Mm -hmm. um, for the second half of the series, I guess. Um, But yeah, I don't actually remember her saying a lot. The Martin Sheen character of President Bartlett does have three daughters on the show, but she's his only actual daughter and she's not playing his daughter in the show. Um, Might be too much. Yeah, maybe. Um, But yeah, so she um, takes the silver box out of MacGyver's dead hands yeah. and uh, blows the whistle inside, which it seems like that was the point of this game, mm-hmm. was just to collect this whistle and blow it. Right, so I don't understand why MacGyver didn't do it right away. Yeah, or why he would check vitals on Pete when he knows that Pete was just paintballed mm-hmm. to the ground or whatever they're using, like yeah. blanks or who knows. And, I, and I feel that Pete kind of cheated by saying I'm hit. Well, like, I, you could conceivably say that if you were shot, depending on where you get hit. Yeah, I know. I, it just doesn't see, it seems like the only other person that we see get shot, as soon as they get hit, they just go down. Yeah, he's not allowed to say anything. Exactly. Like, he doesn't have a chance to go, oh. I think it would have been funny if when when uh, Pete took the guy out, he just clocked him with the gun and knocked him unconscious. Because <laughs> then you're like, wait a minute, you just knocked a guy out for this game? It's supposed to be a it's supposed, supposed to be a game. We're supposed to be just playing around. It's not a game to him. He wants that trophy. He's very serious about it. Um, but yeah, so MacGyver loses because for no reason he doesn't blow the whistle. And then the girl, since she figured out what was going on, she was able to get the upper hand and takes mm-hmm. out the whistle, blows it, and effectively wins the game. So she's awarded a, a trophy when they return back to the camp. Right. And they're they're outside a, on an airfield. Right. For a, a more, the Moore Corporation, I think that's the only way they put it. Yeah. And, and the, Jeff Moore is the guy that owns it and is waiting for them at the hangar when mm-hmm. they when they come landing on the on the air pad. And he seemed to have some kind of stake with Pete in this competition. Like they this is something that they do. It's an regularly. annual bet yeah. or something like that, yeah. But they're they're accusing him of employing a ringer because they think Renee Estevez did such a good job that yeah. it's not fair. It's Even not fair. It was pretty simple trickery what she did. Um Jeff the the character um, of Jeff Moore is played by Sandy McPeak, and he played General Braddock on Blue Thunder. Mm. Um, More Blue Thunder references, well, I love it. There's never enough Blue Thunder on this show. But uh, he is playing this character as though he is a mole mm-hmm. the entire time, and he's not. He's just a good guy who is a part of this annual competition that they have, and he genuinely wants to get his man back from from San Perez. But he, uh, for some reason, is just playing it like he totally trapped him and he's trying to trap mm-hmm. more people in Central America. Yeah, he, his line delivery is very, very sinister, especially later on when he encounters Kelly by herself. Yeah. And you think, oh, God, he's going he's gonna to do something. Yeah, it seems like maybe he was built in as a red herring. But yeah. then they never really come back to it at all. Yeah, especially when he flies them in. Yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves here real yeah. quick. Um, because uh, we see Kelly with the trophy... And uh, this is when Jeff Moore tells Pete that the reason he couldn't come to the the, the games was because that his uh, one of his pilots, Joe Henderson, had been shot down and is being held in San Perez as a spy and is scheduled basically to be executed after a fake trial. Right. And Joe Henderson is also a famous contender in this Bushmaster mm-hmm. game that they've been playing. So he has a few of the trophies that his daughter just won. Um and we're learning here, I think, that Kelly is the daughter of Joe Henderson. Correct. And uh, Jeff Moore has to basically, they, he's just found out about this, that the, the pilot was shot down. Right. And now he has to tell Kelly, his only family, that 
his father's been captured and right. that they can't get him out at the moment. Right. And we just kind of, we, we kind of see this inaudibly uh, from Mac and Pete's perspective. And based on other conversations that they have before they start in with the rescue mission, it seems like Jeff basically told her that they're in a diplomatic conversation with these people trying to get her dad back. Yeah. Did, it sounds like he didn't flat out tell her they're doing a mock trial and they're going to kill him in two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he, he's giving her hope. Right. Because uh, he's a jerk. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Just lay it out straight for her, man. Just let her know. Uh, but then we move to Pete's office. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're having the conversation about how they're going to get Joe back and that they need to have a team head in there for the rescue mission. And Pete just points to MacGyver and says, there's your team. Which is weird because we're at the hangar. We cut to the Phoenix Foundation. This conversation could very easily have just happened there. Yeah, because yeah. it, it seems like they went all the way to the Phoenix Foundation. There's your team. And then the next scene is back at the hangar. <laughs> oh, where she's in the plane? And yeah, where, yeah. She, where apparently her job is to vacuum out the planes. Right. Which seems a little condescending. Yeah. But <laughs> it's just like, You just won a trophy for being the best at everything that we do. Now get back to the vacuuming. Yeah, uh, and this is this is the creepy part that I, th- I was talking about when Morris says, "What are you doing here? It's late. You should be you should be at home." He calls her honey. Right. Um, they're like, "Oh, we're doing everything we can to get your father back. Just yeah. be patient." It's like, I don't trust you, man. Yeah. This this episode is also completely wrong headed in terms of like any like feminist ideals yeah like they've done a lot with this show like for example when we had um like a female pilot of a ship or a captain of the the ship in in a lady general and a lady general and stuff like that which as much as you know they they ruin the point by calling her lady general for the whole scene and not letting her say a single word but um this episode is just very strange in the way that they build this character up of like Joe Henderson's daughter, who is good at everything that Joe Henderson is mm-hmm. is good at, and then they make it out like over the course of the episode, it just gets sadder and sadder, and like yeah. they totally screwed it up. But um, but yeah, so they they basically get on this flight that's going down to San Perez, which is the the fictional Central American mm-hmm. country where Joe Henderson is being held captive, and uh, Jeff himself is actually flying the plane because yeah, he says cool. he couldn't keep his spoon out of the broth. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a weird way of saying it. He has a lot of weird lines. Uh, earlier he says, I didn't build this company sitting on a sofa waiting for bureaucrats to push paper. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they they are just getting over San Perez, and MacGyver's getting ready to jump out of the plane when suddenly it turns out that in the middle of vacuuming the plane the night before, uh, Renee decided to stow away, mm-hmm. or Kelly decided to stow away. And uh, suddenly pops out, and they're like, wait, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, don't worry, I'm just leaving. Yeah. And she hops out of the plane. And it, was it weird that the plane was carrying so much other cargo? <laughs> Maybe, Like, yeah. why was there this enormous person-sized crate in this it's plane? Like, why are you flying our, the plane yourself? And it's like, oh, well, I have ten other deliveries to make. I'm busy, man. Why? I got, There's so I got much stuff, stuff to do. Here. But uh, So she jumps out, and MacGyver jumps out right after her, and uh, they parachute down into a small clearing and that MacGyver immediately starts chewing her out for yeah. jumping along without any kind of preparation. Yeah, and you know she's and you know she's complaining to him that you know you don't have a weapon or anything. I brought I brought a nine millimeter, ten clips. Yeah, which is like, that's a lot of extra weight. Um, she's got flares, tear gas, a knife. I guess she's ready to to to, to knife some guy. I guess yeah. she's prepared for that. Apparently, um, or at least she thinks she is. Yeah, and uh, but. She didn't bring anything else, no kind of survival equipment, or, and doesn't even seem to know where anything is because she immediately starts walking the wrong way. Right. And then MacGyver says, oh, no, we're supposed to go this way. And then a bus pulls up, and they just get on it like that's a normal thing for this bus to do. That's yeah. not even a normal thing, like, right like here, if a bus pulled up out front, I could just flag it down and get on it. Yeah, like, yeah That's yeah. not a normal thing anywhere. Yeah, you, there, there are scheduled stops. There are bus stops, stops. yeah. Um, and then the bus driver just charges them, I guess, an amount. Uh, I don't... Yeah, he just off the top of his head knows exactly how much it's going to cost to get from this random bush to the mm-hmm. city that they plan on going to. Unless this is his bus, and like he just charges whatever rates he wants. Right. It's like, oh, um, yeah, give me this much. That's and I fine. think from here we move into the office of the colonel. Mm-hmm. 
and he's talking with Joe Henderson, their captive. Yeah, they uh, they bring him in, and uh, Raul Para also enters. Right. Uh, and Raul Para is basically has been sent there on behalf of the central government to uh, pretend to defend Joe Henderson in uh, in the trial. Right. He's when, the defense attorney, but he's supposed to lose his case. Right. And uh, Joe in this scene. Um, this is the first time we're actually seeing Joe Henderson. Mm-hmm. Um, he's played by John Shuck, who played a Klingon ambassador in Star Trek's four and six. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about that franchise, you know that the even numbers are a good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, I know the character that he plays in both of those. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't have recognized him, though. Uh, what I recognized him from is M.A.S.H., where he plays uh, Captain Painless Waldowski. In the, in the original in the In the film, not the TV show. Um, and his character is essentially, he's a dentist who has been having performance issues with ladies and he's worried that he might be gay. And so he decided he's going to kill himself and he shares the idea with Hawkeye and with some of the other guys. So they give him a placebo, like they give him a sleeping pill and tell him that it's a super poison that's going to kill him. And so then they, they have a funeral with all the, all the guys have a funeral for him and he lays down in a coffin and he takes this pill and they're all singing a song. And the song they're singing to him is suicide is painless which is like the theme of the movie right, right, right. and goes on to become the, the theme song for the television series without words, but um, it's a great song. But um, but yeah, that's a good movie. I like the movie a lot more than the TV show. Yeah, I yeah. didn't watch enough of the TV show, but the, the movie I enjoy pretty much throughout. Um, but yeah, so he Joe seems to know exactly what's going on. He's going to get a fake trial and then they're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And that's when they first offer him the deal, right. which is... Hey, if you uh, if you agree to um, basically film a confession that you're a spy and that you're here infiltrating our government, then we're gonna we're gonna give you a prison sentence instead of an execution. Right. Because they just want to amass evidence against the United States that they can point to and say, "Look, you've been sending spies into our country. We have all these confirmed spies mm-hmm. that admitted that you did that." And to gain to garner like I guess sympathy with the international community. Right, and obviously Joe is not willing to participate in this uh, plan, so he he doesn't he doesn't make any kind of a confession. They'll right. probably kill him either way anyway. Well, and and they also say that they're planting documents in his plane right but since they're the ones doing the investigation what's the point of planting yeah it's documents not like it's a collaboration with like the un it's them they're investigating themselves they could just say we found this on his plane yeah so uh back on the bus right we uh have mac and kelly kind of just casually talking where she, and she's like she thought that they were going to be under like constant like gunfire and they would have to be out on survival and, yeah so she's a little bit relieved that they're on this bus for mm-hmm. so much of the trip but uh, then that's when they encounter uh, a checkpoint outside of the village. Right. And MacGyver says, all right, well, this looks like it's going to be a problem. They're probably going to check everybody, so why don't you get your passport out? Yeah. And she's like, I don't have a passport. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't bring a passport. Uh, which is like step one of her failures. Mm-hmm. Like bringing all the guns was probably already a mistake. And then the fact that she didn't bring anything that she would actually need to right. infiltrate a country um, is, is step two. Which is like... Why build her up as someone who's so good at the Bushmaster games if she's completely useless yeah. in the actual field? It's like, this just shows what a waste of time Bushmaster is. Also, it, it seems like they would have had a better chance had they just thrown like the guns out of the bus and then gone together as Mac and Kelly and used the excuse that she lost her passport. Yeah, or just because, like, well, she's a woman. She doesn't have a passport. Yeah. Like, that would have seen a better plan rather than have her hide and risk being spotted. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, I also feel like she could have hidden on the bus without having to get out of it. Yeah, because it, it's, like it's not like they stayed on the bus watching everyone get off. Yeah. Like, they, the, guy got, the, the soldier got off the bus first yeah. and set everyone off the bus. But uh, so since she ducks out of the actual bus and runs mm-hmm. off to the side of the road, she's hiding behind some farming equipment. Yeah. And she sees this police checkpoint. A few of the soldiers are interrogating some farmer on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And he's just saying, I have children. Please yeah. don't kill me. Please don't kill me. And then they kill him. Yeah. And she freaks out because she's never seen a person get shot, maybe. I don't know. I guess. I mean, I mean, it's it's it's. It's a pretty horrible thing to see. Well, I'm yeah, sure, it's, a, but... it's a horrible thing to see, but it just seems like she's she's so gung ho about everything, and she thinks that she's a soldier. Yeah. And the first time someone gets shot around her, she screams loud enough to draw the attention of the entire brigade that yeah. is that is checking this bus. 
And so now they're in a lot of trouble because yeah. now they have, they know that MacGyver and her are on the same team and they know that, uh, that she doesn't have a passport and that's already suspicious because they have an American captive here. Mm -hmm. Then when they bring them into this little interrogation tent, they're going through the, their backpacks and hers is entirely filled with tear gas and weapons. Yeah. Everything a tourist needs. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do love that Max excuse of when, uh, when he shows his passport, he's like, what, why are you here? He's like, tourists. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is a war zone. Guy. We have no tourism to speak of. And, uh, the guy's wearing a California hat mm -hmm. that MacGyver compliments. So in the tent, uh, MacGyver tries to, to speak up against the, the soldier in defense of Kelly and they kind of like just sock him in the stomach. Yeah. And, and while he's down, he grabs like a handful of dirt. Yeah. And then the girl starts taking responsibility for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, then it looks like they're about to shoot her, right? Yeah, yeah. He, she, he, she tells him to get down on their knees, like, right. or he tells Mac and Kelly. Mac's already on the ground. Yeah. And uh, the soldier tells Kelly to get on her knees, probably again, like you said, execution style. Mm -hmm. They're going to shoot him both. And uh, then MacGyver takes this fistful of dirt and throws it behind him into the gunman's eyes. Yeah. And then tosses another handful into the fan on the desk in front yeah. of him, which blows it directly into California Hat's face. Mm -hmm. Um, and so both of these guys are blinded and they just take off running out of the tent. Yeah. But they grab the stuff first. Yeah. Like they, they, they don't leave their munitions behind. Yeah. Um, and they hide like right out in the open kind of. Yeah. And they're just walking around in direct sunlight for the whole rest of this yeah. day. And like, uh, when they're, while they're hiding, like Kelly says, where's, where do you think they're holding my dad? And he says up there. And you can and just he points see, like, to a building that's tall enough that anyone could look out a window and see them. Yeah, and there's guards all around, like, patrol yeah, around yeah. on the outside of the building. It's like, they can see you. There's only one white guy in this whole village. Yeah. Um, and plus, like, none of the soldiers seem to be searching buildings. Like, they're just driving around on yeah. the streets. They're not They're not actually checking anything that might have people inside. Yeah. Um, so it just seemed kind of, it seemed like they're very ineffectively searching for, for MacGyver and Kelly. Yeah. And uh, so he basically tells her that they can't do anything until nightfall. Mm -hmm. That um, the plan is that by cover of night, they're going to figure out a way to get in contact with her father. Um, and he's going to meet with his contact that's within this mm -hmm. group. Um, and then we move back into Colonel Salazar's office, uh, who is uh, the guy that's, you know, running this whole area. Yeah. yeah. He's played by uh, Alex Colon or Cologne. And uh, he's actually going to come back for the last episode of the series, um, The Mountain of Youth, um, season seven, episode 14. But uh, yeah, here he's, uh, he's basically getting word from California Hat that the Americans, that there were some Americans that were apprehended and that escaped. Yeah. And now it's very obvious that they're part of a rescue mission. Right. And Para, in an attempt to defuse the situation, says, uh, we should try to capture them alive. Because we could use them as evidence in the trial. Yeah. Well, because California had us getting embarrassed about having let them go. He says, right. we're going to find them and execute them immediately. And that's yeah. when Parra's like, well, maybe we don't shoot them, though. Because this is obviously a rescue mission, which could look good as evidence that this guy is a spy. Exactly. Which th we never get an explanation for why Joe Henderson is there, unless he's a spy. Well, he he was a he's a... All we know about him is that he's a pilot for the Moore Corporation. Yeah. And uh, like, was he shot down there? He was shot down, but we don't know what he was. Yeah, you know, we still don't know what he was doing. Yeah, I don't know why he would be flying over San Perez. And even Pete, like, was kind of like of the mind, like Joe Henderson, a spy. That's ridiculous. Like, it's yeah. like, why is it ridiculous? Yeah. Like, if you think it's ridiculous, then he's probably a spy because that's yeah. who they pick to be spies. Yeah, and then again, you don't fly over countries where there are issues. I mean, yeah. I guess, well, I guess you do. Obviously, look, we've had those issues right well, now. Well, Jeff Moore already flew over the same country again, though. Yeah. Because he let them all parachute in. So, So yeah, it's not really clear the situation that he got down. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, he's there. And uh, and before he leaves the office, uh, Colonel Salazar shouts at him to take off his California hat because he's yeah. offended by the American nature of the hat. Which, at this point, the guy shouldn't even be still be wearing it because he's so mad at MacGyver, who's, like, from California and mm -hmm. just totally embarrassed him in front of everybody. But um, he says, uh, he says, and take off that silly hat or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that cat. But it, it just reminds me of that line from, from UHF. Do you enjoy wasting my time? Get out of my office! And take that ridiculous thing off! 
and he's wearing like a hat with a raccoon tail on the back of yeah. it, and he just reaches up and pulls off his mustache that you don't even know is fake. Um, that's a great movie, though. I need to rewatch. So now we move to nighttime, mm. and um, they're basically planning how they're gonna. They they meet up with Para. Right at a church. Right. And uh, uh, Para's like you know Para's obviously confused that there are two of them. And one that they've alerted their presence so early because mm-hmm. it's causing causing a lot of problems. Yeah, like thing, things were no one was supposed to know anyone was around until it was too late to do anything. Exactly. Um, but even so, I feel that their plan wouldn't have worked because Henderson can't move much. Yeah, and so no matter what, they would have had a problem trying to sneak him out. Yeah, but they wouldn't have gone to the extra effort of boarding up all the windows everywhere. Right, right. And, and uh, they they would have had a quieter escape. And yeah, bought a little time. But anyway, so this is the situation that they're in. And so Para is going to lead MacGyver out of the church to Henderson right now. But as soon as he walks out, some other guards see, spot them together. Yeah. And so uh, Para is forced to pull his gun on MacGyver and walk him away. Right. And I had in my notes, because I take these notes as, I, as I'm as i watching. Yeah. And so this is like... Uh, my my note says I can't tell if this is part of the plan or not. Yeah. But then when we were watching it again, he doesn't reveal that the girl is inside the church. Well, then he does like two minutes later when they get inside the building. He yeah. says, There's another girl out there, and they're like, "Oh, she's just waiting outside." And he's like, "Yeah, but she can't really do anything." And I think that's why they board up the windows is because oh, because they, they know, know that she's that out there. Person out there. Um, and uh, yeah, so Para is now telling the Colonel Salazar that he was acting under orders from the central government to pretend to help the Americans and that uh, to to expose any kind of uh, rescue attempts that may occur to only benefit the, the trial. Yeah. Um, and Salazar's holding some documents, and I'm wondering if they are documents explaining Parra's story, because otherwise, like, it wouldn't... It's just, it's just his word, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, Does, "Did he bring forged documents?" I wasn't, I wasn't really clear because even my notes say I still can't figure out. My note says I still can't figure out if this is part of the plan or not, um, or if he's having to make this up as he goes along. Yeah. But Par is very, very cool and collected, and he says, uh, "You know, Henderson is probably really demoralized by this failed attempt, and yeah. it might be easy to manipulate." And Salazar is like. If yes, he, now we can get our confession. Yeah, if he if Salazar had like a beard, he'd be stroking yeah, it right yeah. now, going yes, yes. Uh, and so he demands that Para go get the confession. Yeah. And Para's like, well, "Good plan, sir. Well, you're very well thought." So now MacGyver and Joe Henderson are in the room, mm-hmm. and uh, and Para walks in and says, "Okay, here's the plan. Um, I'm going to get you some plastique so you can blast your way out of this." Hole, mm-hmm. and MacGyver says that's going to be way too loud now that we've already drawn as much attention as we have we need it to be something quiet so his plan is to find a refrigerator somewhere on the premises mm-hmm. and to uh, disconnect the Freon canister so that he can freeze the lock and break it like glass um, to avoid drawing any unwanted attention but by now it turns out the, the windows are getting boarded up right. in their cell so they would have no way to even get the Freon can into the room. Right. Uh, it's a great twist. Yeah. Like, uh, this whole situation, everyone's super paranoid and that they're gonna, someone's going to try to get in or they're, they'll try to get out. Yeah. So they, they close up all the windows and MacGyver's like, oh, we're going to need some fresh air in here. Um, and then he decides that the best way to get something into there, because he notices there's like a hole. Mm-hmm. It's like um, a drain pipe, I guess. It's a drain pipe that, that has a rat in it. Mm-hmm. And he and he tells Para to go around back, and you'll get a visitor through the drain pipe. <laughs> and he's essentially wrapped a lasso around this rat, yeah. so that way he can tie the freon canister to the rat to bring it through he the gets, tube. He, he he ropes that rat really tight around the waist. Yeah, it, it, it's like it like hourglasses the, <laughs> the yeah, rat. Yeah. Um, although they say rats can squeeze themselves down into a hole the size of a quarter. It's so, supposed to be the size of their skull, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's just like that's pretty pretty impressive cats can do that too i hear like cats can cats can get down as yeah. as, as long well, as you they get can a cat f- wet and they're just yeah there's a bunch no. of sticks <laughs> a bunch of sticks with a cat head i don't know what that means uh and so yeah so luckily the rat decides to go all the way out yeah rather than just hang out in the drain pipe or scared die from freon exposure <laughs> um 
And you can see, it, there's actually a really great reaction from Parra when the rat comes out. He's kind of like, eh, I don't, <laughs> don't, don't want to touch this I don't want to touch it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he takes off the rope, and he, and he kind of, like, lets the rat go, but the rat doesn't leave. Yeah. <laughs> it just stays there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he, he sends in the, the canister. Yeah. Uh, which uh, MacGyver, you know, it's good. I like the attention to detail because MacGyver takes some of the bedding and wraps his, wraps it around the canister because um, if, if everyone, I'm sure a lot of people all who are listening have used cans of compressed air before, yeah. that the cans get freezing cold as you're letting that gas out Yeah. because uh, of the nature of when you let, uh, let a gas expand. Yeah. And uh, so that's a good attention to detail. Like, like it, and uh, uh, so he starts spraying the, uh, the lock with the gas and joe's like is there going to be enough freon in there and he says i'll let you know when we run out Mm -hmm. and he just keeps blasting it and it looks like it's working fine yeah and macgyver says all right well we're out of gas so i should be able to crack it like it's a glass knob Mm -hmm. which it seems like even glass would be harder to break than yeah what he ends up doing but he just yanks the door open and it kind of cracks off and they're able to get out uh but to me to me this is part of the plan that still would have been the same if they had used explosives ultimately because they open the door and they manage to, to lure one guard in and kind of knock him out. But then immediately two other guards come and sound the alarm that they've escaped. Yeah. So it seems like if you had just waited for the guard to come by and blew him up with the, with the whatever wall, you would have had the same effect of like, they would have, you would have taken out the guards and also the, the same effect of them being called to attention would have happened. Yeah. So, um, MacGyver and Joe are like kind of like trying to sneak around the compound. At the same time, Kelly decides it's taken too long. Yeah. And she's going to come in and rescue him and undoubtedly fail. Yeah. And, and she then, does because she's immediately captured by MacGyver. By them. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, she gets captured by the right team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they all go into hiding again and yeah. decide that they're going to have to sneak out first thing in the morning. Because they need to get to the chopper to the chopper for the reconnaissance. But Henderson's leg is—we don't know what's wrong with it. We're, we can assume it's probably broken in some way, and he's been—he's been limping on it and sitting most of the time, so he hasn't had to really worry about it. And this chopper ride that they're expecting to get out of San Perez sounds like a one-time thing. It's mm-hmm. more like a golden triangle, like. But yeah, it's it seems more like a golden triangle thing where it's like, hey, we're gonna come back once. If you're not there, then we're yeah. assuming you're all captured because we can't afford to get anyone else in trouble there. Uh, but it's too far. It's too far for Henderson to to limp. Yeah, because his leg is messed up. Um, they could have they could have like three legged raced it though. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just kind of waddle or what is it? The men knew too little when they drugged Bill Murray. And they oh, just, yeah. like, <laughs> tie his legs together so they can just walk. Yeah, like. they just use, like, uh, Weekend at Bernie's type, like, uh-huh. puppeteering him. Um, so MacGyver's looking around, and he comes up with a plan to use a Jeep, a tireless Jeep, on a set of rail lines that are this nearby. This Jeep is just tireless. Yeah. It's, it's always a Jeep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, And he makes the point that railroad tracks are very close in, yeah, in the their, span yeah the span of the railroad tracks is very similar to the 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 wingspan the wheel span of the of yeah. the jeep which still doesn't seem right to me but yeah i mean i i don't know look what the gauge of uh of tracks are here i know different countries use different different widths yeah but he, um, he says within a few inches so mm-hmm. it, it should work fine for them to take this the jeep with no tires right because the rims the rims have have some play yeah yeah and uh, so it, it kind of, you know, it's kind of like, what is it, um, the ride at Autopia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you're just constantly on a rail. And, um, but uh, the car needs work. Luckily, the battery, and it has gas, because it is a gas station where they are. Yeah. Um, although it's just enclosed by this rusted old uh, sheet metal. Right. The only problem with it, I mean, outwardly, is the fact that the radiator has been shot through a few mm-hmm. times. And uh, he tests it by dumping water on the top, and then it just starts spilling out of the front through yeah. all these holes in the radiator. Which um, then he decides that the best way to clog the holes, because in the absence of any like legitimate automotive equipment, mm-hmm. is to go take some eggs out of a chicken pen, yeah, and to crack them and dump the egg white into the top of the radiator. Mm-hmm. So that way, 
with the engine running, it would be hot enough to boil the egg and clog all the bullet holes right. in the radiator. But man, he's just cracking these eggs in that radiator. Like, it, it looks, it's so hot. Radiators are so freaking hot when they're running. Yeah. I know from experience of like having to put radiator fluid in and not waiting long enough, and it just shoots out. Yeah. And it's just scalding hot. But he's right over it, and he even puts the cap back on. While filling yeah, it. Yeah, which the cap would be just as hot as the rest of it because yeah. he left the car running for a while while he went to go right. get the eggs. I guess, I guess maybe filling it up, topping it off with water would have cooled it down to the point or at least where he could just quickly put it on. But, I guess, yeah, maybe. Um, but still, yeah. Because it, uh, it's a metal cap, too. Like, all the, all the radiator caps I've ever used have always been uh, plastic. plastic. Yeah. Uh, or, or plastic covering metal. And then, you know, they, you turn them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, it... it it just bothers me every time I see it. You know, the same the same thing bothered me in uh, the Golden Triangle when when he grabs the tailpipe. Yeah, when he just yeah. grabs the tailpipe, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so hot. <laughs> um, but the eggs work. You know, they, they work perfectly. Tops it off, and uh, they're able to get the car hot wired and mm-hmm. running and 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 it's during this time that Kelly and Joe have like a little bit of a heart to heart. Right, and this is where they confuse the issue even more. Mm-hmm. Because so far, all we know is that Kelly's really good at the Bushmaster competition, and she wants to save her dad. She did make one quick reference with MacGyver earlier yeah. that she feels like he thinks of her as a son, mm-hmm. um, which really feels like that's her problem. Yeah, well, MacGyver even says that's an awful lot to assume. Yeah, like you're assuming that he thinks of you as a son. Maybe he just thinks of you as a child, and you're the one with all the gender right. bias. Yeah, he's he likes the Bushmaster. He got you into it, and you never told it. him you didn't like it. Yeah, exactly. Like you could have said something, and you never did. So now, when she has this conversation with, with Joe, she's just saying like, "Oh, I only liked it because because you wanted me to like it." It's like, yeah, I wanted you to like it, but if you don't like it, then you just tell me, and then we yeah. don't have to do it. And she's like, "Well, I, I just don't think it's fair that you always treated me like a son." And it's like, would you rather that he treats you? very distinctly like a woman and doesn't treat you the way he would treat a son like that just yeah. seems like totally backwards like wouldn't you want your father to just treat you like a person yeah and and he he even says like i don't know how to raise didn't know how to raise a kid on my own I well did he the... says specifically i didn't know how to raise a daughter mm. and the implication is that it's like oh i know what i'm supposed to do for a son i don't know what i'm supposed to do for a daughter it's like that's good that you don't know the difference like yeah oh, But she's totally on his case about it. And then basically, over the course of this conversation, she explains that she hates the Bushmaster, even though she's good at it. And she doesn't want to do anything that her dad used to do. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, she's never brought up any of it until now. Yeah. And so it's like, as strong-willed as she is, she just wants him to treat her like a fragile woman for the rest of her life. That's what what she would prefer. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and I, I totally get the point of like, well, not all not all girls want to do that kind of stuff. And so a girl should just as, just as much as she should have the right to do what is traditionally a manly thing. Yeah. She should also be allowed to choose to do girly stuff too. Yeah. But it's not like he was forcing it on her. No, he like they never anything. make that point. Like he, he was letting her make her own decisions. Yeah. About and she stuff. was just doing what she thought he wanted without yeah. asking him or without telling him what she wanted. Yeah. So it's a little, it's a little, it's muddled. Yeah. And, and they try to muddle it more by says, well, Maybe we both have some, you know, growing up or learning to do. It's like, no, yeah. you did fine. No, you're you're doing great. Treat your kids like people, and then they're gonna they're gonna make their own decisions. Yeah, because uh, we never really get an idea how old she is. Right. Um, she um, was 19 when this episode came out. The actress was. But right. I don't know how old the characters. Yeah, to be. like I, I guess I can only assume that she's out of school if she's handling allowed to handle firearms and stuff. Yeah. Like, and she because she had access to the guns. Well, I mean, my daughter been... plays with tear gas. Oh, that's she's, true. She's two now yeah so. she's she's got a good arm she, she does those canisters yeah. she still can't get them far enough away from her body though <laughs> just right at her feet <laughs> yeah look daddy Ow! <laughs> um but yeah so then they all hop into the jeep and get on the railroad tracks and mm-hmm. start racing out of town but uh, colonel salazar um is very hot on their heels yeah and um after they escape the second time California hat goes in to say basically the exact same thing. The Americans escaped, and I did a bunch of work to try and get them back, and now I'm letting you know about it. And yeah. Salazar's like, okay, this has happened one too many times today, mm-hmm. and shoots him. Well, what I love is like he's like, you know, Colonel, wait, no, and and California hat's trying to get his own gun out. 
like fast. he's gonna shoot back at him. yeah it's like yeah. maybe maybe if i can how shoot crazy him. would that be like it's a total mutiny yeah it's like uh so guys i shot the colonel does that mean i'm in charge now yeah i don't know how this works um but yeah but the colonel gets him first yeah it doesn't even like just like just shoots him and then just gets out of there yeah. but then he fires like a couple of warning shots like yeah, find the Americans, find them. The Americans escaped, find them. And so then he gets in the uh, the Jeep. What happens to Para at this point? We don't see him anymore from this point on. In the rest of the episode? Because um, uh, I was going to say, he's not in the in pursuit with them. No. So it's just it's just the colonel with his other henchmen. Mm-hmm. And they're chasing down. The Jeep is running along the railroad tracks, and they're following a road alongside the right, railroad and, tracks. Right, and there's some like debris, and so that slows them down for a little while. Yeah. So, in the meantime, MacGyver is trying to create some kind of a deterrent to keep them from following. Right, and so this is kind of like uh, Prisoner of Conscience, Mm -hmm. that they have the... uh, The The boat race. Yeah, but there's also, there's a gas can that he decides Mm -hmm. he's going to fill it with stuff and then throw it overboard to try and... And he just, he just puts everything in yeah, there. Yeah, he's got, it already probably had some gas in it. Yeah. And then he drops all the tear gas, all of the flares. gun clips and flares and everything. And then he takes a, a piece of paper that he wants to use as a time-delayed fuse, which mm-hmm. I feel like he could have just lit the rag yeah. and thrown it. I, but I think, instead, I think... he wraps this rag around the base of a piece of paper. And the way he lights the piece of paper is by taking the piece of paper and he rolls it up and t- into a tube. Mm-hmm. So that it's long enough that he can actually reach the railroad tracks with it. And then he drags a metal like pipe, yeah. pipe that he has alongside the tracks also. So the pipe is making sparks, and eventually one of these sparks catches on the paper. Mm-hmm. So now the top of the paper is on fire. He jams it into the gas can, wraps a rag around the base of the of the paper tube, and then just hucks it at this, the yeah. cars chasing them. And it explodes and... And yeah, everybody it, just jumps off of their cars in the explosion. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like the colonel jumps off of his car and it gets stuck up on the tracks, and then the next jeep just drives off the edge of a cliff as because they're approaching a bridge. Right. And I guess the bridge is the river that separates the country from uh, whatever neighboring country that they're in. Right. Um, but yeah, the jeep just drives off the bridge empty. So and we can only assume that they jumped out before. Um, it's a nice wreck though. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, it, it rolls it, down the hill and ends up landing upside down at the bottom of the mm-hmm. of the ravine. But it's also one of those things where like I don't feel that Colonel Salazar would respect the international boundary. Right, yeah. Like cuz they it just would be st- like, "Whoa, this isn't our jurisdiction. Everybody turn around." Yeah, cuz they stopped right on the other side of the train tracks. Yeah. And all this Salazar all had to do is it's like the same as like Thief of Budapest. Yeah. Where they're just like, "Ah, oh, I guess you crossed this arbitrary line." Yeah, it's like, "Ah, dang it." Oh, we'd still be shooting at you. Yeah, because the helicopter hasn't arrived yet. Yeah. And all they have to do is shoot them and drag the bodies back across the border. Yeah. Uh, and then plant them in Joe's plane. Yeah, and because the helicopter pilot is more likely to not violate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Also, the helicopter wouldn't land there. You know why? Because there are a million power lines running yeah. through this area. For some reason, this is a very, like, highly technical area. Yeah. like It does look a lot like the area where they shot Slow Death. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think this bridge might have even made an appearance in that episode. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, It looked... The bridge, obviously, like, was a real rail bridge, but it looks like it wasn't very tall. Yeah. Uh, And so it uh, kind of, like, was like, I don't know if a train would fit under there. Um, But obviously it must. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, like, there were so many high-tension lines and telephone poles... Like, it, it, yeah, there's the no way like, a no. plane, a helicopter would ever land there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's where the fourth act ends of, it, like, it's kind of like a victory. They're just like, yay, we got to the landing site in time, mm-hmm. and the helicopter's here to save us. And then we move into another Act 5 situation back yeah. at, at uh, the Moore Corporation, um, or whatever it's called. The Moore it, Company. The Moore Corporation hangar. Right. Uh, exterior day. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, Pete is is kind of in the like, middle of an exposition line. Like, are you sure they're coming here to meet us for dinner or something like yeah. that? Yeah, like just just letting you know, like that some time has passed. Yeah, and now they're all getting together to celebrate. Uh, and I guess the big reveal is that Kelly comes out wearing a dress, which there was nothing wrong with her previous outfit of jeans yeah. and a jacket. She wasn't complaining about having to dress like a boy. Yeah. Like there was nothing wrong with her outfit. Um, but now like, like the father bought her a nice dress and now she, so 
That's even worse. That's even worse. The, that the father bought her the dress. She didn't even buy it herself. Yeah. Well, no, not so much that. It's just like, I'm buying you a dress. Be a girl now. Yeah. Like, like. Fine, now. I'll dress you up like a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, they all have, have kind of like a nice laugh about whether or not she'll Participate join. in the Bushmasters in the future. Yeah. And uh, MacGyver makes a joke about, like, well, what team are you going to play for? Yeah. Which seems seems odd. Yeah. Odd wording for <laughs> for a person who's having, like, an identity crisis. Yeah, who's been relatively androgynous for the course mm-hmm. of this episode. Um, but, yeah, and that's basically the end of the episode. They just laugh that off. And yeah. This, this girl is finally free to be a girl in the face of her father's boy-wanting tyranny. Yeah. That we never get any sign of. And that's it. That's the it, end of the episode. You almost can't. The, the, yeah, the problem is, like, if you want to have that message, you can't have the character of Joe Henderson be so sympathetic. Yeah. Like, you really want him to be rescued, and if he's if she feels that he's kind of a jerk or we, we, we want to feel angry at him for treating her, not treating her like a person and treating her like a, like a, a, a specifically wanting a son, like that makes you want to not rescue him. You know yeah. what I mean? And so it, it's hard. I don't think it would have been that, but I mean, he's still an innocent person who's being held captive. It's like, true. It's true. And he's going to get killed for Like, it's kind of like when Brian Cranston was on the X-Files where it's like, you're, he's not sympathetic at all. Yeah. But, you're supposed to care about him because he's an innocent person who's been undergone a terrible situation. Yeah. And so I feel like they could have done the same thing with Joe Henderson and had him be a jerk mm. who happens to be held captive and about to be punished for something he didn't do. And then maybe learns a lesson. Yeah. About like. But instead, he's just sympathetic the whole time, and yeah. his daughter is just annoying because she keeps screwing things up, and then. She starts complaining to him like he's been mistreating her when it seems like he's had a very progressive yeah, uh, fathering style. Um, but yeah, I think it should have been something like where she said she wanted to do something and he's like, that's not the man's way to do it or yeah. something like that. Like, well, and, and no one else in the episode is like, oh, I can't believe we got beaten by a girl. Everyone's just really excited that this yeah. person and is so fact, good. And in fact, they're, they're even, even more to the contrary. They say... Oh, what is this? You brought a ringer in here. Like, uh, obviously, this girl was gonna beat us. Like, yeah. that's not fair. They completely respect her ability in every way. Yeah. And never bring up her gender one she's time. She's the only person who realizes that she's a girl and thinks that she should be treated differently for being a girl. Yeah. It's so weird. It's yeah. It's a strange way to handle the the character. But again, uh, neither of us wrote this episode. This is, <laughs> this is uh, entirely. Uh, who did Rob Hedden did this one? Yeah. This is Rob Hedden's doing. So. <laughs> well, love we, to have you on the show, Rob. We still, we still love your work, Rob. And uh, if you're at all interested in chatting with us, we'd love to have you on the show. Um, yeah, but I think that's about it for mm-hmm. uh, Season 2, Episode 19, Bushmaster. I remember this episode a lot. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think about this episode. For some reason, I think it's always the, the driving on the train tracks part. Yeah. Which is, like, always, like, a fantasy of mine. Like, not to drive on train tracks, but, like, to have a vehicle that could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, one of my favorite is the opening scene of the quest with Henry Thomas. Yeah, where he builds a bike that can ride on the rails, and it's like, ah, oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> um, I always go to Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drive on the railroad track. Well, Phil, that's one I happen to agree with. Uh, but yeah, I, I I do like this episode in in memory. Um, I have some issues with it now reviewing it. Yeah, it just in terms of like the the feminist angle of it, mm-hmm. it's a little messed up. But um, I also, one of the things that I do remember from this episode, I, actually maybe the only thing I remembered before I rewatched it for, for this show, was the um, eggs and the radiator thing. Mm. That's a MacGyverism that I commonly think of as like one of the more interesting ones. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, I don't remember if they did it on Mythbusters, but I'm pretty sure that would work. I think it would if the holes were small enough. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know if it was like a, like a, like a quarter-sized hole, probably not. Yeah. But but something like a dime hole, I think they would work temporarily. Yeah, and this is like a cheap third-world country, so they're not going to have giant bullets. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure they, <laughs> they were small. They don't have huge bullets. Yeah. No offense, Colonel Salazar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think that about wraps this one up. Um, Salazar got away, by the way. Yeah, he, he yeah. He left the country. Well, he's so he's fine. Yeah. Well, they they have a they have a quick little thing about at the end about well, I guess the country's going to go under undergo a regime change or something like that. Yeah. But we got these great new people called the Taliban, and they're going to really clean things <laughs> oh, up. Oh, jeez. That's my impression of the '80s. 
Um, the Mujahideen. Yeah, the Mujahideen are going to fix everything. Good work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's about it for this one. And uh, if you'd like to uh, join the conversation on this episode, um, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast. And our website is, of course, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. If you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. And you can tune in next week for Season 2, Episode 20, Friends. Friends. Which uh, was later adapted into the show Friends. Mm -hmm. um, Starring Matt LeBlanc (laughs) and Lisa Kudrow and Matthew Perry. And And the rest. Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox. And... I'll say it, David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was trying to make you look up by being able to name all the cast, but uh, David Schwimmer, and um, so it's a very weird MacGyver episode. Mm. It takes place largely in Central Perk, and no, it's a, it's a clip show. Yeah, um, it's a half clip show. I think they do a good job of actually introducing new material to mm-hmm. the stuff, but then they just keep cutting back to clips and uh, I think we might end up making next week's show a clip show. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, that could be a lot of work. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, tune in for that, for MacGyver's actual birthday. Um, we had previously seen it in, I think, uh, Every Time She Smiles on His Passport as a different yeah. day. But we'll cover that when we cover the episode. So, um, Yeah, so tune in for that and uh, thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.